Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. Now, as for this week's episode and returning to that topic, so like I said, I want to talk about five mistakes that multifamily investors need to avoid making when purchasing multifamily properties. And I think this is topical considering the market's turning as we speak. And we really, you know, as multifamily investors, we really need to avoid making costly mistakes right now because the market's not coming to save us. And we really, really need to be mindful of a lot of the downside risk uh, possibilities or the downside risks in the deals that we're doing and the possibility that deals can go wrong. And, and avoiding making these mistakes is going to help you to avoid those types of situations. So mistake number one is buying heavy value add deals with minimal upside. Basically, I'll put that in another way. Buying deals with a complex business plan where if it goes correctly, you're earning returns that aren't blowing you out of the water, right? Because from a risk-adjusted standpoint, it's a pretty tricky spot to put yourself in. And these are the deals in our business where we've had the most trouble with, um, you know, where where the deals have not gone according to plan or where it's just been a bigger pain in the butt in comparison to the work that goes into it and the money that we might be able to make and the returns we're able to achieve. So for example, I'll, I'll use an actual example. Let's say you're looking at a property, uh, you know, 40, 50 units, something like that. It's a, it's a class C build built in the 60s or something like that. Tougher resident base, but it's in an okay area. And you think you can turn it around in terms of, you know, you're going to invest 15 to 20 grand per unit. You know, maybe you're going to do some exterior renos. You're going to turn over the whole base of, of tenants and you're going to lease to more of a B-class tenant, Right. At this point in the market cycle, you better be con- you, be- you better be uh, looking at projected returns that are making a deal like that an absolute no-brainer. You know, thirty percent IRRs, thirty-five percent, forty percent IRRs. The deals like that are extremely difficult to execute um, when you're taking a-, a property from one class of tenant into another and spending tons of money on the way in capex. There is so many opportunities for things to go awry. And you need to, if you're going to be getting into a deal like this, one, you need to conservatively project all of your stabilized rents and your capex and all of that. But you need to make sure that it's worth the headache of actually getting into it because those are not easy deals to asset manage. Those are deals where things are oftentimes going to go wrong. They're going to be major headaches. So the compensation in the form of the projected returns needs to make it an absolute no-brainer to get into a deal like that. And you should also avoid doing these deals where you're doing all of this work to achieve you know, a minimal rent bump. Or the property is not even in a great area. And even though you know an area that area can support higher rents, it's unlikely that the market is going to help you out and that any appreciation in the market is going to push the rents, right? You should you should avoid doing deals in those types of areas as well, especially if they're heavy value add deals. So for example, let's use that deal, right? You're taking this deal, you're putting you know 15, 20K in a unit, and you think you can take the rents from a thousand to twelve fifty a month, a thousand to thirteen hundred a month. That's that's not a lot of movement, right? There's there's you really have no margin for error in a deal like that. And so many people are getting into these types of deals where they're investing loads of money in capex. And while yeah, you're looking at okay, so you know we invest this much money in capex, we get a three hundred dollar rent bump. That's thirty six hundred bucks a year. You know we, we throw a cap rate on it, and that's worth you know sixty grand in building value or something like that. Okay, sure, right? It pencils when you look at it through that lens. But that's still not a lot of margin, right? And there's better opportunities to put your money to work 
where maybe you can achieve a similar rent pump with a moderate value add business plan, a light value add, or just an operational play. And yeah, maybe you don't have that deal on your horizon right now, but you, it, you can do a handful of those deals with the same time investment it takes you to do one of the heavy value add deals. So I caution people against getting into heavy value adds or really, really complex deals uh, that don't have you know a lot of tailwinds behind it, or you're not creating such a significant margin between your all-in price and the stabilized value um, because the risk profile doesn't really make sense right now, given the market. Um, mistake number two, let's move to mistake number two, is buying deals where you don't have a really solidified team that you trust in place to help you operate it. So this could be a you know working with a subpar property management company. Um, you know, maybe you're hiring a property management company that's too small to manage the asset you're giving them, or they typically don't manage you know the types of assets that you're buying or that you're going to give them. Maybe they're a you know a class A management company, class B management company, and you're giving them a class C deal. Probably going to struggle with a deal like that. Maybe it's a, a management company that's just overworked right now. They're too big comparatively to the staff, and they just don't you know they aren't able to to give your deal adequate attention. Uh, maybe you're working with a bad GC or you know, an inexperienced GC, or you're partnering on the deal with an operator. If you're a capital raiser that doesn't have significant amounts of experience in that market, in that business plan, or, or, you know, in deals that have a similar business plan. So long story short, the people that are involved in your deal, whether it's your partner on the ownership side, whether it's your PM, whether it's your GC, whoever it is, right? They need to be extraordinarily experienced within that asset class, with that product type, in that marketplace, you know, from a geographical standpoint. And ideally, you've worked with them before. Um, in our business, we're really trying to avoid doing deals with new people. Um, we don't want to be working out the kinks from a partnership standpoint and from a vendor relationship standpoint, while the stakes are higher. The stakes are high right now. You, you, we can't afford to be making mistakes right now, given where we're at in the market, right? So you're going to be getting into a deal. Make sure that the team around the deal, uh, make sure, just make sure you trust them, fundamentally speaking, that you have some working relationship with them. Mistake number three is overestimating stabilized rents. And when you really look at the underwriting for a deal, what really moves the needle is you know the, anything related to the cap rate, right? Your refi cap rate, your exit cap rate, um, your CapEx budget, and your stabilized rents and your rent growth throughout the whole period. Those are really the big levers with one of the bigger ones being what you're projecting in stabilized rents. And if you look at a model, the difference between projecting, call it 1600 bucks a unit in rent versus 1700 is incredibly drastic. Like it changes the entire outlook of a deal. It takes a deal that just doesn't work to a deal that does work oftentimes, right? So you must be accurate with your stabilized rents when you're projecting what you can achieve post-renovation. Make sure you're pulling all kinds of very accurate comps. Make sure you're speaking with all the property management companies and the brokers. Maybe you're, you know, make sure you're not projecting rent growth in the time that it's taking you to renovate the units. Because in most markets throughout the country right now, we're not seeing rent growth. That's just not happening throughout most of the country. Um, and you know, and there's a lot of markets throughout the country right now that are experiencing rent regression, where rents are actually declining. They're falling. There's no year-over-year -year rent growth. Maybe that's not your market. That's fair. You know, maybe you are in a market that's still that's still growing year over year in terms of the average rents. Um, I still think it's prudent to not project an increase along, you know, during that time frame, but. Uh, the goal here is that we achieve, we we overachieve from a stabilized rent standpoint because that cures a lot of the other issues in the deal, such as going over budget on the capex side, you know, slightly underestimating the expenses, 
um, just doing better than what you projected on the rent side is going to fix a lot of issues. So make sure that you're putting yourself in a position for that to help you, not to hurt you. Mistake number four is closing a deal with minimal reserve capital behind the scenes. Um, I mean, this is self-explanatory, right? People talk about this all the time, but it is so freaking important. Like, especially if you're raising investor capital, money goes pretty quick. Like you just work through money in this, in this value add multifamily game. And even if you are, even if the Excel sheet looks all nice and pretty and you're like, all right, we, you know, we have all of our CapEx being financed, so we don't really need to raise too much in reserve funds because we can keep, you know, submitting our draw, draw uh, request, excuse me. You, you need to make sure that there's still capital in the accounts, right? Because yeah, you're going to have a lot of money out as the sponsor and the owner of the, of the deal, um, you know, as the one managing the operating account, you're going to have a lot of money out to GCs as they're working through their value add. What happens if it takes a couple of weeks to, to facilitate the draw request? What happens if, you know, you, you just filed one and, um, you know, maybe the, the bank didn't give you as much on a line item as you thought, and you wanted to reallocate where some of the funds are going, but they didn't let you. And now you, you got to come out of pocket a little bit for the, for the reno funds, not out of pocket, you know, you personally, but, uh, the, the entity's operating account has to come out, right? There's all kinds of things that, that become much more challenging when you buy with minimal reserves. And it's just way easier to just raise another grand or a couple of grand a unit in reserves, right? It's not going to be a major lift on your overall raise, but it's going to de-stress the entire operation for you as the sponsor. And this comment is specifically for the folks that are in the business of raising money to buy real estate. There's nothing more stressful than operating a deal where that operating account is running lower and lower and lower. And you know, you have some more construction to do and you have to, you know, uh, either pause construction while you wait for draws, or you have to cut back your scope on a couple units comparatively to what you projected, or you have to do, you know, some of these things that allow you to navigate around the issue of having a lower operating account. So just do your best to not put yourself in that situation. And maybe you project a 16 IRR versus a 17 and a half IRR, whatever it is, right? Because you're raising more equity, but that's fine. You know, and, and if that's going to turn off investors, they probably weren't the right investors anyways. And they're probably not investing you with you for reasons that have nothing to do with the projected returns on the deal. If that marginal difference is what creates that challenge, um, you know, they probably have other issues. So embrace raising more capital, offering slightly lower returns, because it's going to de-stress the entire management of the deal, the operation of the deal just on your part as the owner or as the sponsor, I should say. The last mistake I'm going to talk about um, is buying with the wrong financing or buying with financing that does not align with the business plan of the deal itself. So, you know, something that we're doing in our business right now is just fixing our rate we're buying deals with with a minimum of a fixed rate through five years. You know, a lot of local banks, a lot of local credit unions, really pushing for IO so that we retain control of our cash flow in the short term, pushing for those long amortization periods, pushing for minimal prepays, so that if the market rebounds or doesn't adjust as much as we think it will, you know, we'll still have that optionality to refinance. And I think that's the, a good playbook for value add multifamily real estate. You know, it should go without being said right now, but. You shouldn't be financing your deals at 80, 85, 90% loan to cost, loan to value, unless you're buying it at such a you know discounted to market pricing that it's okay to do that. Um, but just don't be using the financing that you were using a year ago, two years ago. Like it's just like there's no reason to be doing that right now. It's just not prudent investing. And if you're raising money, you're just putting your equity in a tough spot. I mean, that's just that's just what's happening right now. Um, the last thing you want to have is a balloon coming due in two years, you know, or you know, one year, two years, three years even because it's likely the market's not in the same place it is right now. 
and we can't predict where it's going to go. Nobody can. But I mean, at some point when you've spoken with people who have been in this game for 20 plus years that have just hundreds of millions of dollars in, um, you know, in, in actual, I should say hundreds of millions of dollars in capital raised and property under ownership, et cetera, et cetera. All of the big metrics, right? From a success and an experience standpoint, you're going to listen to them when they say that this is not sustainable, right? And even if you don't believe it yourself, you're making a massive contrarian bet. And if you're raising capital, your investors had better be supportive of your um, contrarian bet that the market won't be in a tougher spot in a few years. And if we assume that it will be in a tougher spot in a few years, we simply can't put ourselves in a position where we're going to have a balloon in a few years from a debt standpoint. Like that's just, you can't do that. That's not something that you can do unless you are buying a deal. And again, I'm always, always, you know, always throwing an asterisk on everything, but unless you're buying a deal at like 60% of market value and it's, and you've, and you found that hidden gem deal that you find once every, you know, five years in your business type of thing. Right. But if you're buying a deal, even if you have some margin, 10, 20% below market value, which is still an incredible deal to find in today's marketplace, you have you can't put yourself in a position where you're a forced seller or a forced refinancer. And more multifamily investors lose properties, and the data supports this, to balloon risk than they do default risk. More multifamily investors lose their property because their term comes due at the wrong time, and they can't refi or sell without either bringing capital or you know without some other kinds of complications. That is typically where foreclosures happen not because of, hey, we can't make our payments anymore. And while there's still plenty of people that are struggling with that right now that use floating rate debt and um, you know overpaid in 2021 and bought you know C-class assets that need too much construction and they ran out of cash, blah, blah, blah. That's still a real risk right now. But in, in the, when you look backwards over the last 20, 30 years in terms of where defaults come from in multifamily, it's balloon risk. So that's the one thing that you can't do. And again, you want to make sure that you're using stabilized debt when you're buying you know, uh, relatively stabilized properties, you know, all the way up to moderate value adds, you should still probably be buying with stabilized debt. And if you're going to use bridge right now, anything with a shorter term, you would better be buying a smoking deal, or you would better just, you know, have enough liquid cash behind the scenes to where if you miss your numbers by 20, 25%, you can still get out of that loan. Like you got to make sure that, that you're, you're using that type of leverage in a prudent way. So I hope these, uh, you know, discussing these five mistakes was helpful. I hope you learned something in this episode. Um, we're doing all of these things in, in our business. I mean, this is like we're practicing what I preach right now. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving the show a rating and a review, whether you're on iTunes or on Spotify. We're closing in on 250 reviews over on iTunes, which is a huge milestone. And uh, if you really want to go the extra mile, please consider sharing this episode with somebody in your network who you think might enjoy it whether that's a business partner, a friend, a vendor, a contact, whoever it might be, uh, please share this if you think you have somebody in your world that would uh, pull some value from this episode as that helps the show get noticed by more folks. So thanks again for listening, everybody, and I will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. If you learned something new during the show, please consider sharing this episode with a friend, family member, or business partner or just leaving a rating and review as it helps the show get noticed by more folks. Catch you next week.